grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When you hear the word prophet, what comes to mind? Telling the future? Sure, prophets saw future events, and in the Old Testament, we know that all Scripture points ahead to Christ and is fulfilled in Christ. But also, prophets are simply those who faithfully speak the Word of God. They receive it from God, speak it faithfully uh, to those around them. Prophets speak to the context, context of God's activity in the present, what's going on right now. So we would say they're both foretelling and forthtelling. And Isaiah, yes, Isaiah speaks of current events, exactly what's happening and a lot of the worries of the time which has to do with national powers. We'll talk about that in just a minute. He speaks of current events, but he also speaks of the future. In the book of Isaiah, there are several prophecies that deal with more than 200 years of human history, salvation history. And some of those are predicted and come true when the prophet is alive. And some of those are predicted and they come true after his death. But through all things, there's one tying theme. The book of Isaiah warns not to find ultimate security in national powers. Because ultimately, behind all those powers stands God himself. Earthly powers, as Isaiah will show, will come and go, but God's rule and reign is forever. He is the one who ultimately is in control. He is in control, and he will restore his people. That is the message. But you might be wondering, well, what exactly did Isaiah predict then? Well... In short, he talks about Assyrians, Babylonians, and Persians. Oh my, lions and tigers and bears got nothing on them. There's complexity here, but it worries God's people. You see, it all starts, you got to remember, the kingdom is split now. Under David, under Solomon, it was all one kingdom, now it's split. And the king of Syria and the king of Israel, right, the northern kingdom plot and plan against Judah, which is the southern kingdom. And Isaiah says, don't worry. Don't turn to other nations. Everything's going to be all right. I'll take care of it. Well, of course, Judah turns to Assyria in a panic. They don't trust that God's going to take care of them. They trust in a foreign power. That turns out to have devastating consequences. You are probably aware that Assyria will take Israel, that is the northern kingdom, into captivity in 722 B.C. But Isaiah also predicts that this coalition, right, will come knocking on Judah's door too. And they do. They even come into the capital. They besiege Jerusalem. 
only to be stopped, only to be turned away by the angel of the Lord. But the nations ain't done with God's people yet. Babylon will come and take the southern kingdom into captivity. And in today's text, the prophet Isaiah predicts another power that will rise. The Persians under someone named Cyrus. Cyrus, who lived long after Isaiah died. And the message is Cyrus will overpower those other powers. And he eventually issues an edict that God's people can return to Jerusalem. They can return to build the temple. They can return to build the wall. Assyrians, Babylonians, and Persians. Oh, my. It all seems so arbitrary, doesn't it? World events that are just teetering out of control. But again... Isaiah's message is, no, Yahweh is in control. The one true God is in control. He used Assyria as his instrument to bring his people to repentance. He used Babylon to bring his people to repentance. And he will use the Persians and set aside Cyrus as his instrument to subdue nations and bring restoration to God's people. So now that you know that, Today's text might make more sense to you. So listen to Yahweh's control over the Persian war machine. It is Yahweh who even sets Cyrus apart for this specific role in God's plan. Here's what he says. Thus says the Lord to his anointed. That means one set apart. (laughs) One that the Lord sets apart. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped, to subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him that gates not, may not be closed. That's the introduction. Thus says the Lord to his anointed. And this is the introduction. Then he says, I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hordes in secret places that you may know that it is I, Yahweh, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. I know Assyrians, Babylonians, Persians, who cares? But these words of Yahweh to Cyrus are comforting words for our times. With tensions mounting in the Middle East, with conflict still raging between Russia and Ukraine, what will the future bring? How will things shake out? It seems so arbitrary, doesn't it? Things are just out of control. World events are teetering out of control. Isaiah's message is one for us still today. The one true God is in control. I can't tell you minute specifics. Those have not been revealed to me. I cannot give you specifics. If I tried, I would be like this guy. Now, a lot of those jokes that come from him are from the times, right? And they have to do with current events. So they might not make any sense to you. 
But one stood out because it had to do with politics and the worry that was in California at the time. See, there's nothing new under the sun. So on May 25th, 1976, Carson puts an envelope. Remember, the question was sealed in the envelope. And he would say, okay, here's the, here's the answer. And people would be like, okay, I wonder what the question's going to be. That's how it worked. So he puts it to his forehead and says, Snoopy and Woodstock. Now, again, I know you're not going to get this because the context was several years ago. Snoopy and Woodstock. And the question was, who in the world is running the state of California while Jerry Brown is out campaigning for president? Right? Nothing new under the sun. There's always worries about what's going on. I'm afraid if I tried to make minute guesses, they would be just that, guesses. But Isaiah doesn't have to guess. Isaiah knows. And Isaiah knows that God pronounces oracles on all sorts of nations in his book. Assyria, Babylon, Philistia, Moab, Egypt, even Israel. God is ruling and reigning, guys. Yahweh holds in his hand all the might of man. God guides things, everything by his gracious ordaining. Yet, he deals with fallen, sinful, broken human beings who do what they're going to do. And somehow, some way, in ways that we don't understand because he doesn't assent to their evil, but somehow, some way, he uses these fallen leaders and fallen nations and can still accomplish his purpose, even as those powers and nations and leaders try to just gain things for themselves and do selfish things and stupid things. And as God acts, many times the rulers are, are not even aware. And this happens with Cyrus. So listen again to as we go on through our again, this should make more sense to you now. Here's what Yahweh says. For the sake of my servant Jacob, right? Israel. Remember, God changes uh, Jacob's name, deceiver, heel puller to Israel, strives with God. For the sake of my servant Israel, for the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen. And then he's talking to Cyrus. I call you by name. It is for my people that this is all happening. I name you, Cyrus, though you do not know me. I am Yahweh. There's none other beside me. There is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me. That people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am Yahweh. There is no other. I form light. I create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am Yahweh who does all these things. Babylonians, Assyrians, Persians, it looks like they're in control, but the Lord does all things, even in our day. Let's be clear, our government is a blessing, but we know that those who make, judge, and administer our laws can make mistakes. They can make selfish decisions. They can pursue things against God's will. So it's not Assyrians 
and Babylonians and Persians, oh my. It's Democrats, Republicans, and Independents, oh my. And no matter how hard we try, no matter who is in power, there will not be a utopia on earth through human effort. Simple as that. Now, don't tune out and say, oh, what is he saying here? Doesn't mean we shouldn't elect godly leaders. It doesn't mean you should abandon your responsible citizenship. You should be a responsible citizen. It just means that you can't make any nation, including your own, into an idol. Isaiah warns specifically against that. He tells us to place our comfort and our confidence where it truly belongs. Because you see, Isaiah not only pronounces judgment against the nations and all the ways that they usurp God's authority, he also proclaims another kingdom, and that is God's kingdom. One whose king does know Yahweh. One whose king is Yahweh. One whose king comes from the Father, indeed has seen the Father, and indeed has made him known to us. And this king will pursue justice and righteousness in everything, in all matters. This king has established a kingdom that will never fall or be overturned and that will last forever. You see, Isaiah's visions don't just cover 200 years of history. They cover God's activity in all times. They point to when Jesus will come in the flesh. They point to when his kingdom will be fulfilled in Jesus. And that is with us now. They point forward to the king's return when we will live in that kingdom without remainder. Isaiah's message back then is so appropriate for us now. God is in control. Our hope is in him. Although this chapter in 45 mentions Cyrus, right, and the things that we heard, its focus narrows later on, even more so than in the voices we heard. So here's what is said later on in the chapter, 45. Uh, Yahweh says, turn to me. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, right? All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn... From my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear allegiance. Only in the Lord. Only in the Lord. It shall be said of me. Our righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be ashamed all who were incensed against him. Right? All the weapons of war, all the might of man, all the things, uh, Psalm 2, the nations rage in vain. To him shall come and be ashamed all who were incensed against him. And in Yahweh, all the offspring of Israel, that's you, shall be justified and shall glory. This is Isaiah. Quoted more times in the New Testament than any other Old Testament book, Isaiah contains so many Messianic texts that we could spend way more time talking about that. 
Is it any wonder why some call Isaiah the fifth gospel? That the virgin will conceive and the name of the child shall be Emmanuel, God with us, in chapter 7. That Christ is born in chapter 9. Unto us a son is given, right? And the government shall be on his shoulder. And the uh, titles that he receives. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah is clear. We sometimes expect too much from worldly powers. We expect too much from our nation. We expect that it should be a perfect place. Only under Christ's rule and reign will God make all things new. Under him, Christ Jesus, our true king, you have the promises of sins forgiven, eternal life, renewed heavens, renewed earth, a return to Eden, a return to paradise. Under Christ, you have the promise and the fulfillment of no more division. You have the promise of God's people of every tribe, tongue, and nation dwelling in harmony, living in God's presence, and serving one another. What a kingdom it is. Amen. And may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. At this time, our offering will be brought forward and we will be singing our offertory, More Precious Than Silver.